All right, so I want to draw your attention to verse 12 of Ezekiel chapter 14. It says, The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. <clears throat> I want you to notice in this passage here, you know, in the book of Ezekiel, there's a lot of uh, doom and gloom prophesied. There was a lot of sin that was going on, and God is kind of already in the midst of judging Israel during this time. Uh, the Babylonians had come and take over, but they haven't completely destroyed everything yet. The temple has not been destroyed yet, but it's coming. It's coming. God is in the process of dealing with them during this time. And when it comes to this destruction that's coming for their temple and, and upon their city, God is telling Israel, you've crossed the line here. This judgment is coming and nothing is going to stop it. In fact, he said, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, he said, I'd spare them, but I still wouldn't even spare the rest of the city. And I want to talk about those three men today, Noah, Daniel, and Job, because I think we can make some application because I'm, you know, I live in a country that is doing a lot of wickedness. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in our country that concerns me very much that when I look and I see what the Bible says and how God feels about this type of sin, it causes me to worry for our country. And I am somebody who does. I love America. I love our country. I want good for our country. I want God's blessing on our country. I want that. But at the same time, I'm looking at what's going on in our country and I'm like, I don't think we deserve it. I know we don't deserve it. You know, and I, I want God to be, you know, if we get it at all, it's by God's mercies. But at the same time, sometimes we can cross the line. We're not even going to get the mercy of God. We're just going to get in trouble. And what I believe we need today, because I'm not, I'm not God, okay, and I'm not some prophet of God that's received some new revelation from God. I'm not ready to get up here. I don't have any authority to get up here and declare America reprobate and, you know, to say that we've crossed the line. I, I don't know that. You know, if I said that, it'd just be my opinion and who cares? And so at the same time, the fire of God is not falling down in our country right now. So, you know what? I'm going to hold out like there's hope. I'm going to hold out for hope that God can uh, turn our country around, that God can bless our nation, and God can do great things, that we can see some kind of revival. I'm going to hold out for that, and I believe that we can learn some things from the Scripture, and that is if we had some Noah, Daniels, and Job, it would help. Okay, now, in this case, again, they were in trouble. This judgment that was coming, it was coming, and nothing was going to stop it. But God, you know, the fact that he keeps bringing these guys up, saying even if they were there, it tells me that some might be thinking, hey, if we had some righteous people, you know, would you spare? Because we see God often had a history of sparing if there were some righteous people. We see God would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah if there had been ten righteous people there. But there weren't ten righteous. And so it ended, judgment ended up coming. And when it comes to uh, America, I believe there's more that we can do than just being saved to help spare judgment. And I, cause I think God, cause I do believe in Jerusalem during this time, there were more than 10 people that were saved. But even a lot of times you can have people that are saved, but they're not living very righteous. Because these three men that keep being brought up, these were not just saved men. These were great men of God that they would have known about. They would have known who these, you know, who these guys are. And at the same time too, 
I, you know, the Bible does not tell us specifically in this passage what it was about these guys that would have made God spare, uh, possibly, you know, if they had been there or even think about it. But I do believe, you know, when we read about them in the Bible, we can figure out what those things are pretty clearly. And so let's go and read a few more verses, though. So you mentioned Noah, Daniel, Job, verse 14. Verse 15, it says, If I cause noisome beasts to pass through the land, and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beast, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord, God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. So God said, I'd deliver those three. And God didn't even say, I'd deliver all the saved people. He's like, I'd just do it for those three guys. Listen, don't you think that just because you're saved, that if God decides that he's going to pour his judgment out on America, that we're going to be unscathed in that situation. We still might get, we might get ourselves in trouble, but I like this too, because it's like, okay, well, you know, just being saved might not spare me, but maybe if I live a righteous life, maybe if I'm like Christ, maybe if I'm like Noah, Daniel, and Job, maybe God would spare me, you know, if that were the case. But I'm not looking to just save my own hide. I'd kind of like to save our country. I'd kind of like to save our state. And definitely our city, I'd definitely at least like to say, you know, see if we can't save Rock Falls. That's my attitude. But he goes on and says, uh, or if I bring a sword upon that land and say, sword, go through the land so that I cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they should deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. So notice how God said they would be delivered by their righteousness. This isn't just something where they're being like, we're all spared from hell by the righteousness of Christ. Okay? We all get that, right? We're, none of us are going to go to hell. No matter what we do, we'll never go to hell. We will be spared from that thanks to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But when it comes to judgment that could potentially come on our country, come on our community, okay, the righteousness of Christ might not spare us in that situation. You don't get to just say, well, I'm saved. Nothing's going to happen to me. Not if you're saved and you're wicked. Not if you're saved and you're just a sorry Christian. If you're acting just like everybody else in the community, you know what? We're going to get the same judgment that they're going to get. A lot of people have this attitude just because they're saved, nothing can happen to them. You're wrong. There's a lot of saved people out there that are sorry excuses for Christians. There's no doubt about that. And it was the same thing back then. I do think there were more than three saved people in Jerusalem during this time. And so I do believe, though, God mentioned these three people for a reason. I think the fact that he keeps mentioning them is sending a specific message to the people during this time, showing what God was looking for from them. And I believe we ought to try to be this way. And I believe if we would be this way, not only could we possibly save ourselves from judgment, but maybe save our land. And that's my attitude. That's what I want to be. I want to be like Noah, or not Noah, Moses. I want to be like Moses, who's always making intercession for Israel. You know, who's always trying to get in between God and the people because Moses loved Israel. I don't want to be like the devil that's always trying to get God to kill everybody. And I don't want to be that accuser of the brethren. And there's a lot of Christians with a lot of satanic-like qualities out there. And we don't want to be that way. We definitely don't want to be that way either. So first, let's talk about Noah. All right? Why did 
God mentioned Noah. Now, I think this is interesting because he's the first one that keeps being mentioned. But think about it. Noah was somebody who was already spared judgment that had been pronounced. You know, God said he was going to destroy the world with a flood, but Noah was somebody that found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God spared Noah from that judgment. So this is a guy that's already been spared. This is a guy who's already survived a major judgment. In fact, Noah survived the greatest judgment that has ever come on the world. The entire world, except for Noah's family, died. So I think Noah, it makes a lot of sense that he would mention him. He's somebody who's been spared. So God's like, you know, you think I wouldn't spare it? Some of you all understand, I spared Noah, you know, uh, from a global flood that killed the entire world. And so he was mentioned because of that. But also, you know what we know about Noah from Second Peter chapter 2? Go ahead and turn over there. Something we know about Noah, because when we read the book of Genesis, we don't see a whole lot of details into Noah's life. We know from after the flood that he was not a perfect man. You know, we do see some mistakes he made, but in Second Peter 2.5, it says, And spare not the old world, but save Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So one thing we know about Noah, he was a preacher of righteousness. And that is something I believe God is looking for, something that God wants from us. We need to be preaching the righteousness of Christ. That's the most important thing. That is the main thing. If we're going to get anybody saved, we have to preach the righteousness of Christ. We have to show people that they're not good enough to be saved on their own. Their own works cannot save them. The only thing that can save them is the works of Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross, that was payment for the sins. He died. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He died, was buried, and he rose again from the dead, and he conquered death and hell for us, and we can be saved simply by putting our faith and trust in him, that right there, that's preaching the righteousness of Christ. We need to be telling everybody we can about Jesus. We need to be telling people how they can be saved. We need to let them know that judgment is coming, that their sins have condemned them to a hell that was made for the devil and his angels. That's where they're going to spend eternity unless they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God wants us doing that. God wants us preaching that righteousness and Noah was somebody who preached righteousness, but we're not just supposed to preach the righteousness of Jesus Christ, okay? That is important. That is the only preaching of righteousness that will get anyone saved, okay? I want everybody to get this. Only the preaching of the righteousness of Christ will get others saved. But, you know, we should still preach personal righteousness, righteousness too, Okay? Now, we need to make sure people understand your personal righteousness will not get you saved. Okay? Your good works will not get you saved. Your uh, abstaining from evil works will not earn you heaven or, you know, earn, you score points in that area with, you know, less time in purgatory or something like that. And we don't believe in purgatory. But at the same time, we should be preaching personal righteousness. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Folks, this is why I'm concerned about our country right now, because if righteousness exalts a nation then, and sin is a reproach, you know what? Our country, there's a reproach, isn't it? You, you, and one of the things, I mean, one of the things we're doing in our country, I mean, we're promoting some of the most filthy abominations imaginable with the promotion of LGBT, I mean, even uh, dignifying it by allowing them to have marriages and things like that. 
Folks, that is a reproach. That is a stain on the reputation of our country. And not only that, but our country talks about it like it's a virtue at the same time. It calls evil good and good evil. They brag about that. And even our current Republican president promotes doing that same type of thing in other countries. And a lot of these other countries, too, we often look at like the Muslim countries. We talk about how horrible they are because, you know, they'll kill Christians over there. We can't send missionaries over there because if we send missionaries over there, they'll kill them. They're so bad. They're so horrible. Well, maybe it's because missionaries, when they try going over there, they try teaching Americanism. Maybe they because they're promoting American values rather than Christian values there. And they think if we bring these Americans over, they're going to try to bring in gay marriage over here. That's what they think. I mean, I don't know if you ever listen to the translations of some of these crazy Muslims that are over there, you know, chanting death to America. Did you know some of the stuff that they bring up is legit? They bring up our promoting and our advancing of nations like Israel that has all kinds of wickedness going on. They, they bring up those things that folks, that's that's a legitimate cause for concern. Why are we doing that? Why are we involved in that? Why are we participating and, and that evil that is going on over there, they see the way that we're, you know, we're stationed all in all these countries and just advancing our will on sovereign nations. And they think if we, and, and the thing is, a lot of Christians support all that. And then they go over in these countries and they teach this stuff. They're not preaching the righteousness. It's not about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's not always what they're getting offended by, even though sometimes it is. Okay. Sometimes it is. But often it's not the preaching of Jesus, it's the preaching of all these other things. And folks, our country, we have no moral high ground as far as I'm concerned when it goes to you know dealing with these other countries. When you look at the abortion that's going on in this country, then who are we to go telling other countries what to do and how to treat people? Because a lot of countries, you know, they understand this type of thing is wrong, and so we need to understand that, you know, we have, we have greatly hurt our reputation as a, as a country. And a lot of times when missionaries go over to these countries, you know what they see? They don't see Christians. They see Americans. And there's some bad things that go with it because our country has accepted horrible abominations and it's a reproach on us. And it makes all of us look bad as a nation. And I hate that. You know what? We need to be preaching righteousness. We need to be somebody, and, 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 you know, I don't think our government's going to be preaching righteousness anytime soon, but you know what? At least Christians, we ought to be able to do that. We ought to be preaching righteousness, personal righteousness. We ought to not just be preaching it and running our mouth about it, but we ought to be living it. We ought to be, we ought to be setting the example. You know, if, if a Christian missionary does get over to one of these countries, they ought to see that they're not like people, the other people in America. They should see a difference. I remember years ago when we went to Israel, uh, we crossed over into the country of Jordan, you know, predominantly Muslim country, and the, uh, the, our tour guide that was a Muslim while we were over there, he commented and talked a lot about how different we were from most Christian Americans. He, it was funny because he kept talking about all these laws and things they have over there, and we were like all agreeing with them because they were like, what we see in the Old Testament. He was just kind of, he was shocked by it. But, you know, we actually believe, you know, we believe the Old Testament. We're talking about, man, this, this is good. This is great. And he was shocked by all the things that we agreed on, you know, when it came to morality. And he kept saying, you all, he kept, he kept saying, you all in your country, you do this and you do that. And, you know, we're like, no, we're, we're against that. You know, we're, you know, 
And it was like, I don't think he'd ever had a group of fundamental Baptists before. And it did. It shocked him. He's like, and he told multiple times, he said, you are not like most of the Christians that come through here. You know, and what, what, what's happened? I tell you what, American Christianity, it, it, its reputation is horrible because of sin. And we, because we're not preaching righteousness, it's pretty sad when people who are without Christ preach more righteousness than we do. When people without Christ are more against fornication and adultery and abortion and sodomy than we are, that's pretty sad. But, that's, you know, that's the way it is. One of the things they talk about in our country is just all the drunkenness that's over here. They were talking about all the people that get killed in our country because of drunk driving. They, 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 I mean, they look down on us so much because of that. But you know what? In our country, we would look down on them because you know how they handle drunk driving over there? First off, they don't have drunk driving over there. Because if it happens and a police catches you drinking, he shoots you dead right there. Oh, that's terrible. Well, you know what? They're not shooting anybody dead over there because nobody's doing it because nobody wants to get shot. But in the meantime, in our country, we got innocent people getting killed all the time because of drunk drivers. Who's more cruel? The people where nobody's getting killed or the people where everyone, a bunch of people are getting killed. Innocent people. Children dying because of drunk drivers. See, what we've, we've lost our way in this country. We've gotten away from righteousness. We're not promoting these things anymore. When we have somebody that's a drunkard, we say they just have a disease. That's, that's what we say over there. You know, and problem solved. <laughs> yeah. And they said, and, and it's not happening. You know, when we, when we heard that, we're like, man, you must be shooting people all the time. You know, they're like, and they said, it doesn't happen. That's what they said. It, it doesn't happen. And I think if we did that in this country, I think it'd probably happen for a little while. But pretty soon people are going to like, yeah, you know what? Some kid's driving down the road with his parents and he sees a cop take a guy in the side of the road. Mom, Dad, why did that cop just blow that guy's head up? He was drinking and driving. You think that kid's going to want to drink and drive after that? Probably not. And you say, I can't believe you're promoting it. I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying that's what they do over there, and it works. You know, uh, when, I, when I get in the legislative branch of the government, you know, I might talk about some of these things. In the meantime, I'm just telling you, I'm just laying out the facts of what happens, all right? So, it, but no, so, you know, Noah, he wasn't perfect, and his children definitely weren't perfect, but even when his son was grown and did the wicked thing that he did with the story of Ham, we see that Noah cursed Canaan for it. We see that Noah was against it. Noah spoke out against it. And you know what? We need people that will speak against sin. We need people in this country that are standing against sin. We need people in this country. We need men that are able to lead their families, including their children while they are teenagers. You know, there's a lot of people that are good, strong leaders in their families while their kids are little. But as soon as their kids get older and hit like 13, it's like all of a sudden they got smarter than their dad and they can beat him in arguments. And then all of a sudden, teenagers start running the home. Folks, that is a very common thing, okay? You know, God bless all of you that have just younger kids and you're just getting started, okay? We were all there at one time. I was there at one time. I'm not down on you, all right? But at the same time, it's one thing parenting kids. It's another thing in parenting teenagers. You know, it's another thing parenting adults and grown kids. It's, it's another thing. And there's a lot of people like to beat their chest about how hardcore they are and how they have their three-month-old in submission. But, you know, let's see what you do. You know, let's see what happens when you're parenting teenagers, when they have a job, you know, when they're, when they're 18 and they can do 
whatever they want, and you can't stop them. Let's see what happens then. All right, then, Mr. Hardcore Punk, you know, come run your mouth to me then. In the meantime, why don't you take a back seat and watch the adults work, and you just, you know, see if you don't learn something. Okay? That, that's, that, 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 there's just some extra nugget of wisdom right there for everybody. Because it is, it's, it's a different thing. I've known a lot of preachers that way. That were all hardcore. I mean, they were all about standards and everything. While their kids were little, as soon as they had daughters that were teenagers, all goes out the window. That happens all the time. You know what? You know, always listen to people that are telling the truth, but don't get too excited about the preacher who is, who's hardcore, you know, on everything when his kids are little. All right. Let's watch the guy who's still doing it when his kids are older, when they're growing up, somebody who's actually raised kid. Pay, pay more attention to that guy because um, you're probably actually hearing wisdom rather than just some guy beating his chest that's just running his mouth. So Noah was an example of that. Also, Daniel. Let's look at Daniel real quick. Now, Daniel, he was actually living during this time. Now, I can't conclusively tell you. I don't know for sure what all Daniel had done during this time. He hadn't been thrown in the lion's den yet. That was something that would have happened after this. But uh, I was doing a little bit of study on the timeline because it gets a little confusing on there sometime. But when the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar originally came through, you know, he took Daniel, guys like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they took them into Babylon. And then that's when they had set up Zedekiah as king. And it wasn't until, I think, about 10 years or so later when the temple was destroyed. So this was written during that time. We don't know what all had gone on during Daniel's life during that time. But I do believe Daniel chapter 1 and 2 had happened already when Ezekiel 14 was, writ was written. And so one thing we know about Daniel during that time, in verse 8 of Daniel chapter 1, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested from the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the princes of the unit. So this is that story where he, you know, he didn't want to go and defile himself with the stuff that the Babylonians were eating. Eating, You know, the Jews, they had those very strict dietary restrictions. And Daniel, he was somebody who took the things of God very serious. Daniel was a guy who had excuse. Hey, we're taken captive. Hey, you know, I've been made a eunuch. You know, I mean, that, my manhood's gone. You know, I don't have to follow along. You know what? Even though he'd been made a eunuch, he was still more of a man than most men today. He still wasn't afraid to stand up and say, you know what? I'm, I belong to the Lord. I'm not going to, you know, defile my body with this stuff. I'm going to follow God's law. You know what? Just give us pulse and water and we'll be fine. We'll be better off than you will. You know why? Because Daniel realized that his health and everything he had, it was from the Lord. It wasn't from the things of this world. Daniel was somebody who took the things of God serious. He didn't just go along with the majority of Israel during his day because we don't see too many people in Israel doing good during Daniel's day. And there clearly weren't many doing good in this day at all. But Daniel was somebody during this time when there was a lot of wickedness going on. He, even though he has every excuse to not do the right thing, he just does the right thing anyway. That's just the, that's just the kind of man he was. Daniel was somebody who had a close personal relationship and walked with God. And it wasn't something that he just put on. Okay, when, uh, when Darius made that law that they weren't allowed to pray, this was something that happened years later. When he made that law, Daniel didn't go and just make a big show about praying, you know, out in public like he, you know, like he did. He, that was what he had always been doing. 
He just went and did as he did a fourth time. You know what? He didn't change anything. He just, this wasn't a new thing. A lot of people think, you know, when, when it really gets tough, when the Antichrist shows up, that's when I'll become hardcore. No, you won't. Okay? If you won't do the right thing now, you're not going to do the right thing when things get tough. And Daniel was somebody who, no matter what was going on, no matter what the situation was, he took the things of God serious. He did the right thing. He loved the, he loved the law of God more than he loved his own life. He could have gotten himself in trouble. I mean, what position was he in to ask something like this? But you know what? He did it anyway, and God spared him. God saved him uh, during this time. And when God was looking at Israel during that time, he said, if Noah and Daniel, even if Daniel was, was here, I'm, I still wouldn't spare this city. Because Daniel was somebody who was a great example. And, you know, we need more people that just take the things of God serious. That, I mean, take the word of God serious. We need, uh, we need Christians that take prayer serious that understand you do have access to God and you are an ambassador here on this earth and you need to be trying to influence our Lord right now during a time when he's probably got some wrath being stored up on us. Maybe, you know, we need you praying. We need you interceding. We need you setting an example. You need, we need you to realize that you know, we are the ones that are supposed to set the example, not the politicians. And we need to be living those righteous lives. We need to be setting an example. We need to, I mean, take it serious that we are what God is wanting to use. We are the instruments that God uses to get the gospel to people, to get people saved. We need to take that serious and say, you know what? I better make sure I'm faithful to these things. I better make sure I, I take this serious because this is my, this is my job. Uh, you know, we're the ones that are going to get it done. Our mayor's not going to get it done. You know, our, our police department's not going to get it done. And I'm thankful for our mayor and our police department around here. I'm thankful for the leaders that we have in this community. I think they've done a good job with a lot of things that are going on from what I've seen. I'm thankful for them. But, you know, it's not their job to spread the gospel. It's our job. It's our job to do that. And thank God for people like Daniel didn't matter what was going on. He had already determined in his heart he was not going to defile himself. He'd already, he made the decision ahead of time. And you know, that's what we need to do right now. We've got to make some decisions ahead of time about how far we're going to let this world push us. You know, we need, we need to make some decisions ahead of time about how much control we're going to give the government over our church. We need to make those decisions ahead of time. We need to decide, you know, because when the pressure's on, it's tough to think straight. During those times. And when the pressure was on Daniel, you know what? He didn't have to, you know, he didn't get perplexed and have to wonder or pray about it. He had already determined what he was going to do. He had already made that decision. That needs to be how we are. So we have Noah, we have Daniel, but then we have Job that was mentioned. And look at Job. Uh, go ahead and turn to Job chapter one. Let's look at a few things about Job that I believe are one of the reasons that God mentioned. Now, obviously, Job was another just very exceptional character. I mean, during his time on the earth, when Satan comes and God's, I mean, God points out Job, hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him. I mean, Job stood out about above everyone that was living in the world during that time. I mean, God had nothing but good things to say about Job. And you all know the story. God allowed Satan to take everything that Job had and then it says in Job 1 verse 20, then Job arose and ran his mantle. You know why? He wasn't happy when all of his children died. That's pretty normal, isn't it? Job wasn't happy 
when he lost all of his possessions, was he? I mean, folks, you and I, we lose $5 bill. We're like tearing the house apart, you know, and freaking out. And Lord, why do bad things happen to good people? That's how, that's how we are. But Job loses everything. He rents his clothes. That's normal. It says uh, he shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You know what? Job, he was somebody who was willing to suffer without complaining. Now, think, think about that because suffering was coming for Jerusalem during this time. Suffer, suffering was coming, and you know, they deserved it. But you know, Job, it's like, you know, as a parent, it's sometimes harder punishing your kids when, you know, they are sorry and they know they deserve, you know, you kind of have sympathy, don't you? But it's when they're just not sorry, you know, that's when it's a little easier, right? And, you know, that was part of the Israel's problem. You know, they were always like, hey, what did we do wrong? You know, where, where are we even wrong? And that would just infuriate God. We see that in the book of Malachi. But, you know, the thing is with Job, Job gets punished basically for doing nothing. And you know what he does? He worships God. And, you know, all this stuff is coming on Israel. I think if there had been a whole bunch of people like that were just going to worship God anyway, and they were just going to love God anyway, God's not going to want to do that to them. And I believe that's the way that we ought to be. We ought to, and this is something we ought to determine in our hearts right now. Hey, no matter what happens in our community, no matter what happens in our country, we're still going to worship God. We're still going to love God. We're still going to praise God no matter what happens. We're going to, we're going to thank the Lord no matter what happens in the election this week. We're going to come to church next Sunday just as optimistic as we are this Sunday because we understand our hope is in the Lord. It's not in the politicians. And we're going to serve God no matter what. Whatever they decide to do, whatever laws they make, we're going to do what God wants us to do. And if we suffer for it, we're going to suffer. And while we're suffering, we're going to sing praises to God. We're going to thank Him. We're going to bless Him. We're going to proclaim His goodness. That's what Job did. And God loved that about Job. God ended up, God let Job go through some terrible times, but God ended up giving Job double of what he had before. And you know, that's what we just need to determine in our hearts we're going to do. No matter what happens, we're going to praise the Lord. No matter what happens, we're going to worship. If things go bad, if the election, you know, Donald Trump gets reelected this week and the country goes crazy and starts tearing itself apart and there's riots and the streets going everywhere, what are we going to do, Pastor Tommy? Well, I've already determined in my heart I'm coming back next Sunday and I'm worshiping. I'm coming back next Sunday and I'm going to praise the Lord. That's what we're going to do. We're going to sing our, our theme song for the month we're starting all the hymns out with is Be Strong in the Lord. We're going to be sing Be Strong in the Lord. Our strength isn't in our government. Our strength isn't in our military. Our strength, our hope, everything we have is in the Lord. And next week, we're coming back and singing about it no matter what happens. That's what, that's what we're going to do. That was Job's attitude. He said, but we're, about, we're, going to, we're going to lose our job. We're going to lose our 401k. Donald Trump said we're going to lose our 401k if Joe Biden gets elected. We're going to lose all that stuff. Well, you know what? The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, if the stock market crashes this week, we're going to come back and sing, blessed be the name of the Lord. We're going to, we're going to praise him. Either way, turn over to Job chapter 2. Job was somebody who was willing to suffer without complaining. We see in verse 9, after God allows Satan to touch Job's body, <clears throat> he says, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. 
What? Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? You know what? Job, he did not see God as just a sugar daddy. It's not what he saw him as. He didn't see him as a glorified Santa Claus. That I'm going to serve God so I can get what I want. You know what? Job did not see that. He saw God as somebody who is worthy of worship. And and his attitude was, you know, who are we? Okay, yeah, I lost a bunch of stuff, but God gave it to me. It was God that gave it to me. So we're going to receive good, but we're not going to receive the evil? You say, well, you know, if mine gets elected, we lose everything. Well, it wasn't Trump that gave it to you in the first place. It was God that gave it to you in the first place. So you know what? Go, you know, are you going to receive the good and not receive the evil? You know, you, you'll, you'll, you'll take what God gives you when you like what he gives you, but you're not going to take it when you don't like it. You know, well, you know, I'm not blaming God. I'm, I'm, bl- I'm blaming the government. I'm blaming the Democrats or I'm blaming the Republicans or whatever. Well, did you not remember in uh, Daniel chapter four, that passage we read? The most high is the one that's ruling. He's the one that's running the show. And if we lose some things in our country, it's because that's what God wanted. God allowed that to happen. So you know what we're going to do? Either way, we're going to worship. We've received a lot of good. We've received a lot of blessings. And you know what? We're going to take the bad too. And that's the attitude we need to have. So Joseph, or Job, I'm sorry, he was patient. He had a full and complete trust in God. Look what it says in James chapter 5 in verse 10. It says, Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So notice how you know, James refers back to Job. Here's a great example of somebody who suffered affliction, but you know what? He had patience because in the end, the Lord was pitiful and of tender mercy. And we've got to understand that it's not the beginning. It's not the current situation that's important. It's the end of a thing that's important. Better is the end of the thing. And so if God allows us to go through some tough times now, that's fine. We're shooting for the end. We're shooting for the finish line. We want to finish well. We want to finish strong. That's what we're looking for. So you know what we do? We do like Job, and we patiently endure it. We deal with it. It's hard. You know, it's not always easy. And Job definitely didn't understand everything about God, but he trusted him. We see that Job's friends come along and they're all trying to figure out what God was doing. And you know what? None of them could figure it out. But I love what Job said. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That was his attitude. Job did not see God as a tool that he used for himself. He saw himself as a tool that God could use however he wanted. And he's like, you know, my job is to worship him. My job is to glorify him. You know, a lot of people, they come to church. A lot of people try getting their life right and cleaning up their act, thinking, I'm going to go do all these things. And all of a sudden, God's just going to start laying blessings on me. I mean, and and they're literally trying to use God for their benefit. You know, maybe if I'm a good enough Christian, you know, the Lord will answer more of my prayers. And I can pray down some curses on some people I don't like. You know, I mean, that's like some people's attitude. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the preaching. I want to learn about God so I can figure out how to get what I want from God. Now, folks, I'm not going to lie and tell you, I don't, that, you know, I don't enjoy a good sermon on prayer because I want to learn about how I can 
get what I want from God. I think that's okay, but at the end of the day, you know what's more important than learning about God so we can figure out how to get what we want? Is just figuring out that God is worthy of our worship. God is worthy of our praise, and we are blessed to even be allowed to serve him, to be allowed to praise him. We are, um, we are blessed to have been allowed to be a recipient of his mercy. And at the end of the day, I don't care. We, we ought to have the attitude like, Job, I don't care what God does to me. I'm going to trust him. And if he slays me, or if he even allows me to be slayed at the hand of the government or something like that, you know what? I'm going to trust him because I am here for God to use, and God might want to use my death as a way to glorify him, to advance the gospel. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Our attitude should be, I'm just, privileged. I'm just thankful that God wanted to use me for something. I'm glad that when God saw a need somewhere, that he thought, I can use him. Even if it means bad things for me. We should realize that's a privilege. You all would feel so privileged, you would feel so honored if there was anything and the president of the United States thought, I need you to do this. I'm, I'm calling you to do this. This is something I think you as an individual would be best for this job. We would, we would be honored. And the president thought of me when it came to this. Well, you know what? How much more should we be honored when God wants to use us for something? That, that should be our attitude. That was Job's attitude. You know what? Maybe if we had some people like that in this country, maybe it'd be spared. Some people that were willing to suffer. Did you know that persecution uh, of any group is often what kind of causes people to start being won over by those things? You know, persecuting Christians has always caused Christianity to spread even more. But, you know, we got a lot of Christians today who they're not willing to be persecuted because they think, I'm just supposed to be getting all these blessings and wonderful things. We know, no, we are, we belong to God. If he wants to use us for something like that, he has every right to. Yeah, but I don't like persecution. I don't like pain. It hurts. Hey, it doesn't matter. You were bought with a price. And if that's what God wants to use you for, he can do that. That should be your attitude. And so, you know, thank God for these great examples we have in the Bible. And we ought to do our best to try to have these character traits in our lives because our world needs us. You know, our country needs us. Okay? Right now, we shouldn't be thinking so much about, you know, who does the country need more in terms of for president and senators and all that kind of stuff. Listen, here's what our country needs right now. It needs people like Noah, Daniel, and Job. That, that's who it needs. And these guys, you know, Daniel was a captive. He wasn't a king. He was a captive. And look what God did in his life. God can use, God can use us if we'll let him. And if we would have these traits in our life... You know, maybe our, maybe our community will be spared. You know what? Maybe God will just, you know, say, man, we live in Illinois, Pastor Tommy, and our governor is horrible and he's going to just destroy our state. Well, you know what? I think maybe it's possible that God could create an oasis in this area where we just do fine for some reason. You know, I don't, how, how would he do that? I have no idea. I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to know what God's going to do, but at the same time, I know God can do that. I know he can. I know he has the desire to, and I, I believe if we had people like Noah, Daniel, and Job in this area, I believe that's exactly what God would do. So, you know, if we have these traits in our life, I believe our areas can be spared. But if not, you know, maybe we as an individual will be spared.
Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and am now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. I just, I believe as saved people, if we will live like we're saved, I just believe God's going to take care of us. That's what I believe. And so I think we need to, we need to do that. And I say all that just in, in case things go crazy this week. Would anybody be surprised by anything that could happen this week after all we've seen in 2020? There's nothing that would surprise me. And, but at the same time, I do know that there definitely isn't anything that would surprise God. He knows what's going on, and His Word, it applies to every situation, every generation, every part of the world. And these are all these things we're talking about, these are all things we can control. I can't control what our politicians are going to do. I can't do it. I know I, you know, we feel like we have power when we go into that voting booth or we put that little dot next to our candidate. You know, man, we just made a difference. We made our voice known and we all feel so good. And you wear your little I voted sticker and you walk out. I'm a good American, right? You know, I, I, I really help, I really help this country out. Man, I, I'm glad you got a great feeling from that. You know, I would not do anything to take that away from you, but I promise you'll do a lot more if you'll be a Noah, Daniel, and Job. And you can do that. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray, dear God, you'll help us to uh, learn from these three men, dear God. And uh, Lord, thank you for these great examples that we have. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to uh, just uh, be be like them, Lord. I pray you'll help us to uh, be intercessors, help us to be good ambassadors. And dear God, we do uh, love our country. We do love our state and we love our community. And Lord, we... Uh, acknowledge that we do not deserve your blessing, but we're asking you for it. And I pray you'll help us as individuals uh, to be worthy of it. I pray you'll help us as a church to be worthy. And I pray, Lord, that we will proclaim righteousness and that our community would be worthy. And so help us, Lord, to make a difference for good. In your name we pray. Amen.